Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Michael Wieda. Before we get to Michael, here's a few announcements. First, foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there. You can see stories that I've written. You can see stories that some of the guests have written. You can see photos of the guests. and You can see links to all their social media, and you can see links to our social media. And by that, I mean, of course... Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Follow us there. Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page. You can find us on there. There's also links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. So if you listen on whatever stream, I ask you that you please give us a good rating there. Give us a thumbs up. Follow us. Subscribe. Costs you nothing, and it boosts our presence, and it helps more people find the show. So I'd appreciate that if you did that. If you think you'd be right for the show or know somebody to be good for the show as a guest, write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. You can ask me travel questions. You can say nice things, but that's where you can reach me. TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. And maybe you saw my tweet or announcement a couple of weeks ago, if you follow, that I wrote an article for the Wall Street Journal. Yes, I've been published in the Wall Street Journal. Wrote a little travel story about performing on cruise ships. And I want to thank all the people that wrote me and told me nice things about the story. I enjoyed writing it. Don't know when I'll do another one again, but hey, I didn't expect this one to come along, so that was nice. So check it out. I'll put a link to it at TravelTalesPodcast.com under the articles section. I can't print the whole article because of copyright stuff, so I guess I have to print a link. Whatever. It's there. Okay, let's talk about Michael Wieda. He's a guy who contacted me. He's actually local. I'm not calling him around the world. I'm calling about 45 minutes away to Orange County. He wrote a book called International Travel Secrets that you can get on Amazon, and we'll have a link to it on our site. And he's been saying a lot of the stuff that I've been saying ever since I started this podcast, mainly that it's not as expensive as everybody thinks to travel around the world. And a lot of people, especially Americans, think it's a lot more expensive than it is. So his book's about little tips and advice on how to get around the world for as little money as possible. And unlike a lot of the other travel hackers that I've had on the show, he's not really that big on uh, credit card points, mileage programs, that kind of thing. So we get into that a bit and we see where he's coming from. We also talk about some of the many trips he's taken around Asia and Eastern Europe and Africa and many places. So it was nice to meet him and I'm glad he reached out. You can pick up his book, International Travel Secrets on Amazon, and you can also enjoy our conversation. Here's my chat with Michael Wieda. Listen, do you want to know a secret? Michael Wieda. Wieda. See, I had to ask you how that how that is pronounced. Was that was that like shortened at Ellis Island for something, or what is that from? No, that's actually the real name from Norway. Uh, Norway. The Greek side. The Greek side had to shorten their name at Ellis Island. Yeah, yeah. Well, usually you see that many A's together. Uh, it's like Finnish, where they get a lot of like K's and A's, and you know, a lot of K's, a lot of K's there in Finland. And yeah. Ends. And yeah. that's the other one. So uh, you're in Anaheim right now. Where are you from originally? I'm actually from Orange County, so I didn't move too far. An actual native. Yes, an actual native. Yeah. Wow. You don't meet too many of them. No. <laughs> Born and raised here. Didn't move very far. Well, that must have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I live probably about uh, 10 or 15 minutes from where I grew up and Maybe that's why I get out of here as often as I can. <laughs> yeah. Well, when did the when did the traveling start and what job were you doing or, or still doing? You know, I've traveled all my life, but more locally. Uh, when I was younger, we did a lot of national parks and camping and stuff like that all throughout the U.S. But my international travel really started in about 2005. Did a Europe trip then. And then in 06, we did a South America trip. Uh, but I didn't get the bug until... Uh, New Year's 2010 to 2011, uh, 20 of my friends went to Vietnam for New Year's and they said, hey, you want to come? And I was like, sure. So I went and then that blew my mind so much. 
I started taking four international trips a year from that point forward. I just got the bug and just figured out, oh, I can plan this. I can do it myself. So it, it kind of stopped me. What job was I doing? I do business consulting. So it's very easy for me to work from the road or, I mean, my clients are super understanding and supportive. So, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to leave you alone while you're gone. And if they need something, they'll hit me up and they're patient if I can't, you know, get, get to them right away. Well, in this uh, digital age now, if we learned anything from this pandemic is that we can be uh, digital nomads and work from anywhere. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So was there ever a uh, desire for you to live abroad or did you always, always come back to the OC? I've always enjoyed coming back. And it's funny uh, you asked that because I was going to toy with it uh, for the first time last year. I was going to, I had an apartment picked out. I was going to go live in Montenegro in a city called uh, Podgorica and it was right on the water. And I was actually going to go finish the book that I just finished writing. And uh, then they shut everything down and uh, that got uh, pushed away, but now it's open again. So I was kind of looking at it and I was going to go take four to six weeks and go hang out there and then travel, see the surrounding countries and see what I thought about it. So it's, it's in the back of my mind, but uh, it's more of a recent thing. Never was interested in it before. Well, I've never been to uh, Montenegro. I've been to Croatia like five times, but I mm. know uh, it's uh, beautiful, I've heard. But uh, Croatia just started a digital nomad visa. And I don't know if Montenegro has or anything. Have, have you looked into that? No, I haven't. And, and it's funny because I, I listened to one of your last podcasts, the ones, uh, the one with, uh, I believe it was Mikkel Thorup. Was, was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The expat. Yes. And it's, I just recently started reading, I was reading a book called Nomad Capitalist and U.S. Taxes for Rolly Americans, kind of the same concept. So, you know, it's something I've been looking into as far as that's one of the things I do as a business consultant is I minimize taxes for people. And I just thought it'd be interesting to look at the, the visas to get abroad. And I was looking at Panama because I heard it was easy. And uh, I have a couple clients that are getting uh, passports in Canada and Greece and things. And so, you know, it's been on the radar recently. Do you have um, any language skills in any other any other language other than English? Okay, so I'm going to say yes to language, but no to skills. Because <laughs> <laughs> I speak the most Spanish because I took it in junior high, high school. And, you know, I can communicate. I can pick up on things. It's not, if you heard me, it's not good, but it's enough to get around. Yeah. I speak, and we live in California. So yeah, that, it helps too. You're going to absorb some a little. Yes. Yes. And I speak a, a limited amount of Korean, like enough to just get by and, and get directions and ask for food. And, and that was helpful. I was on a layover in Seoul once at like five in the morning and nothing was open. So communicating with taxi cab drivers and things like that to get us to a warm meal in, in 10 below <laughs> weather. <laughs> so it helped out. That was my experience in Seoul. We, uh, I was traveling with a friend and we get, we had got into our hotel. It was really late at like one in the morning or something. We're starving. And they just uh, said, what is open around here? And of course the mall, the mall is open. Malls are open to like four in the morning there. It's nuts. So we said there, there's a food court in the mall. And we went into the top floor of this mall. Only one place is open. The place is mostly deserted, but there's still a place open and it's all in Korean. We didn't speak any of it. We just pointed to a picture or something and it came and the food was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and we had just been in the Philippines for 10 days. And that one meal at like two in the morning in a food court empty was better than anything I ate in the Philippines. For 10 days. <laughs> Isn't that the story of traveling though, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. So you mentioned the book and the book is International Travel Secrets. Correct. Yeah, that's okay. right. And so how long, what was the inspiration for this? And how long did it take you to write it? And where can people get it? The inspiration came from, you know, I want to get more people traveling. A lot of people see the life I lead and they think, oh, there's no way I could do that. And they think it's expensive. They think it's hard to do. It's neither. I mean, it, it's uh, one of the taglines of the book is fly to Europe for 128 bucks. I did that one time. <laughs> and um, my goal is to get more people just to, to experience what it's like to travel internationally. How long did it take to write? I started writing it last uh, in November of 2019. And I would just start writing tips when I was on planes. Like I said, I was traveling four times a year. So I would sit there and literally write it on my phone. I created an outline in a Google Doc and just would populate it as I was on planes. And then COVID hit and I had a lot of time. So I finished it out and pumped it out. And now uh, they can buy it on Amazon. 
Inter International Travel Secrets is the name of the book, and it shows people how to travel cheaper. And I challenge a lot of the um, the other modes of thinking from similar books. You know, because I haven't lived abroad, I I'm like showing people, hey, you can go for a week. You know, you don't have to take two weeks or three weeks or go backpacking for a month. I'm not saying those things are bad, but not everyone can do that, you know, where they can take six weeks off and go see the world or, or take three months off. If you can, that's great. But I kind of take a different approach to travel and shatter a few myths and take a couple different directions. In fact, I, I made a few people mad in the travel world with some of my ideas. <laughs> well, this is what I want to ask you about, because I've, I've interviewed a lot of like travel hackers mm -hmm. and people who give advice. And a lot of people who do it on uh, points and miles and yes. credit card points and stuff. And I was interested to see that you're you're not a big fan of the credit card points. <laughs> yes. So uh, there's a reason behind that. <laughs> okay. Well, what is is it about um, fees, or you have to spend more to get? Here's what it is: is that I'm not against points. Um, for someone who's bad at saving, it's totally the way to go. But I'm going to give you an example. And I discovered this a while ago. I used to have all cards with points. And I, when I got good at finding uh, cheap flights, I went through to use some points and they were charging me $750 in points for a flight that I could have bought myself for $300. So that's why they use a point system. So you have no idea how much dollar value you're actually using. And uh, so what I did is I started finding these uh, cards that gave cash backs or cash back directly to the card balance or gave you uh, a check at the end of the year. And I would just use that money to go buy more flights right? So it's kind of a scam in that way. But if you work it right, there's a lot of guys out there that do it and, and it's a lot of work. So it's, it's not that it never works. If you sign up and do the bonus point game for signing up for brand new cards, there are some really good upgrades that come from it. And it's really good if you're not um, disciplined enough to pocket that cash that you get back from the credit card points, uh, rewards on a normal card, and then use it for travel. If you're not disciplined, then by all means, use the airline miles and airline points to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, but a lot of the guys I knew, at least in the, the credit card points and miles, it was more about the sign-up bonuses and getting the right sign-up bonuses. And these guys would be running and flipping, you know, thirty cards at a time. They'd have you got to have good credit. Yes, you have to be able to pay it all off. You know, never carry a balance. Yes, and you have to be disciplined to know when to cancel that card before Absolutely. it renews again. Yeah, so, and, I mean, and they put all their bills on there. Yeah, all their it takes bills a lot that they of organization. Can, can. Yes, and, and I do that as well. Uh, but uh, it's the it's the signing up for the card and canceling it and reapplying. All that stuff kills your credit score with all the inquiries and stuff like that. Um, so it's not a bad thing. I just say that a lot of people don't know that when they get a free flight, they're charging them a bigger chunk of their points than they would if they were just getting the simple cash back. But I do all the same thing. I have one card I use for gas. I get five percent back on that. There's other things, uh, dining and travel, I get 3%. I have a card that rotates and it gave me 20% back for three months on groceries, gas, and restaurants. And they're hoping that you forget about it and you don't pay the balance and you do all this, you know, you have to pay a bunch of interest, but I was paying it off each month. I've got one now that gives me 10% back and it's just cash back towards my balance. So it's a game. It works. People who, who can't, you know, use the discipline to use that money for travel, definitely sign up for the, for the credit card miles and they'll get something out of it. And what about, um, you, you talk about flights and where you shop and you know how to get these flights. Yes. Uh, super cheap. Um, are there websites you can recommend to people or am I giving away too much of the, Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> I can definitely tell you here. No, there's two sites that are really good. I mean, there's, there's about five or six, but the easiest one to navigate is Google flights. And that kind of evolved out of a site called ITA Matrix. ITA Matrix was created by MIT students and you can't buy flights from there, but it scans all the flights and it has a calendar of fares. And it's it has all these high end functions where you can say, I want two stops or fewer, or I want a layover in this city. So find me a flight to Istanbul with a layover in Prague. And you can, or say, I, can, I want to lay over, but not in this city. So there's all these uh, high level filters that you can use on ITA matrix. But um, for the beginner, I say, just use Google flights. It has the calendar affairs. They, they ported some of the functionality of ITA, ITA matrix over there. And it's a really great tool. There's a map function where you can click on the map and it'll just pull up cities and fares in a particular month that you choose. And that's a really great way to get cheap flights.
Was the ITA matrix what the travel agents were using? Is that how that came about? I honestly don't know. And I don't know if the students created it for them or if it was a project or if they were turning it into a business. I just uh, was, it was referred to me by one, uh, by a fellow traveler. And so I started using it for a while. And then when Google bought it, it, it was a lot easier just to use Google's unless you want to do the, some of the high-end functionality on it. Did you ever get a flight that was just so ridiculously cheap? You had to tell everybody about it. I mean, does one stand out in your mind that just like, I got one way to Hong Kong for like $20 or some ridiculous thing? Not 20 bucks, but the one that, that I mentioned earlier, I was trying to get to Prague and it was, I think, 900 bucks one way. And I was going the month before, the month after, and it was ridiculous. So I was looking to just do a, a create a fake layover. That's one of the tools I use. Find one of the major hubs, get a cheap flight there, and then from there on out, get a, uh, you know, like a Ryanair somewhere. But I found a flight to, to Oslo from LAX uh, for $128. And then once I got to Oslo, spent the night there, didn't have a flight the next day until, I don't know, four o'clock in the afternoon, just wanted to check out Oslo, saw some of the old forts there, ate some good food. And then we got to Prague for, I think, another $27 or $40 after that. So instead of $950, we ended up paying overall less than $200 to get there. That must have been Norwegian Air. Uh, it was, yes. Of course it was. Yeah, that, yes. those guys. And I think they just I went on. bad because they're, they're not doing their long haul flights. They've, they've temporarily shut them down because yeah. the company was hurting so bad. But So you're not going to find those flights to Europe for less than $200 now. And other airlines were trying to keep up with them. So now that they're gone, the cheapest you can get to Europe for the time being is about three three fifty maybe if you look. Well, I've utilized that for Europe as well. I mean, I tell people if, if you can get to a major hub, mm-hmm. whether it's like Amsterdam, London, you know, Paris, Paris Madrid, or, or yeah. you know, Frankfurt, whatever those are, that um, you can get a cheap flight to anywhere else in Europe from Absolutely. there. Yeah, so, that's a great tactic. Yeah, but um, all but if you get those cheap Ryanair flights, though, you better be flying light. Because they'll yeah. nickel and dime you. They, they, will, they will literally take out a tape measure and measure your bag, yeah. and weigh it to the ounce. And they will. Oh, you want oxygen? That's going to cost you an yeah. extra bucks. Oh, you want, yeah. See, you want air pressure? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you must be flying light then or be willing to pay. Yeah. And I don't always use Ryanair. I mean, that's the one everyone uses because they're the cheapest. But um, using Google yeah. Flights, there's a lot of other airlines that. Um, that are you can get a flight within Europe uh, for twenty bucks, thirty bucks, fifty dollars if it's a little bit off the path. And a lot of those airlines, people don't know this, aren't on the big search engines like Orbitz or Expedia or something like that. Exactly, because I don't think they pay them commission is the reason, or, or there's some sort of a, a legal issue with uh, what, what they can pay or pay out, so they don't offer them. Okay, I remember that they were doing. Uh, open jaw flights. You remember those? Do you know no, what those what's mean? that? Um, it's with using miles. Basically, you could, uh, it's kind of using a hub as well, but I, I, I will describe it badly. And now that I'm on the spot, I'm going to panic. But basically, <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of like a layover that you could uh, lay over for as long as you wanted, you know. But now, uh, using miles, a lot of times you got 24 hours. You know, oh, so okay. I would do that. I would use whatever hub you would land in in a region, whether yeah. it's like London or Paris, and say you're moving on to Croatia from there. You get a direct flight from the U.S. into Madrid and Madrid to Zagreb. They yeah. used to be able to let you lay over in in Zag or in Madrid, whatever your landing spot was in that region, for as long as you want it, for like up to a year or something. Yeah. Oh, and, that's great. And they cut back on that. So now it's like you get 24-hour layover. Uh, and there's nothing to do with a 24-hour layover. I mean, if you're buying your you know, all these different one-ways, you can lay over as long as you want. Yes. But mileage is a different thing. They, they, they closed that loophole, which was great. Yeah, because <laughs> if you liked it, you could stay for a couple of weeks. You could stay for a year. It's and living life. wherever your gateway city was. Yeah. So, which was great because living in L.A., we were usually the U.S. gateway coming from Asia. So instead yeah, of a one way from Tokyo to L.A. was the same amount of miles as Tokyo to New York. So uh, instead of just booking the one way mile flight to L.A., I would book it to New York if I and just and with a hub with a layover in L.A. But I could lay over. But 
the fact that LA is my home, I could, you know, book that New York leg eight months later. That's great. Yeah, so That's yeah, so like you basically there. had to get free one way to New York. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And gotcha. uh, they shut that down. <laughs> and so yeah. it used to be much easier. A lot of things used to be much easier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're in, definitely in the new travel world right now. So Wait. any other uh, flight tips you can give people that they'd find in the more of in the book? You know, um, we, we touched on one, which is creating that fake layover. And I want to, you know, I want people to really get what that is, is, you know, you mentioned in Europe, you know, you got London, Paris, Rome, Barcelona, Madrid. Once you get there, the flights are really cheap. And the same is true anywhere, you know, as you would know, in Asia, Tokyo, Hong Tokyo, Kong, Singapore, Beijing, Hong Kong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so people, well, I don't want to go to Hong Kong. Well, so what? You can book a flight that goes out of there a few hours later, but or you could take advantage of it. And that that's one of my favorite things to do is, you know, book those long layovers. I've done something as little as just uh, grabbing a, a beer at a pub and then heading back to the airport. And I've stayed overnight and taken tours. I took a buddy to see, you know, the Vatican on a layover. <laughs> And we stayed up till three in the morning at Trevi Fountain, eating some really good food. And then the next day we saw the Vatican and then jumped on a plane and left. So uh, layovers are a really great way to see a city for free. It's a, it's a snapshot, but I kind of call it, it's like wine tasting. You get a little taste of it and you can choose if you want to come back or not. What were some of your favorite hubs, your favorite layover places? Um, I really enjoy Istanbul. Istanbul is one of my favorites just because it, not just the history, but the culture, you know, you've got the, the Persian influence, the Eastern Europe, the, you know, the Roman empire, a little bit of Russian influence and, and it shows in the food and the historical buildings. And it's the only city in the world that's on two continents. That's a little crazy too, you know, mm-hmm. but that's one of my favorites. I, I, I like Istanbul a lot. Madrid's great too. That's a fun one. Yeah. Do you, do you, go to Asia much because you said that was one that really kind of blew you away and kind of really, because I I love, I've been to Vietnam twice, but I don't, I mean, I love going back, but uh, what were your takeaways and what did you expect and what didn't you expect when you got there? My first time, that was my first time in Asia. And it was just so, you know, when you go to Europe and you go to South America, you know, the languages are familiar. They're mostly Latin based. The architecture is familiar. The history is familiar. But when I went to Vietnam, you know, I didn't know much about it other than what we've learned in history class here. And it's just a whole different way of living. It's a whole different way of life. And it was, I, I liked that. In fact, most of my travels have been to places where, you know, I, some of my friends tell me, okay, you're just making countries up now because they've never heard of them. <laughs> but I like going to places that, you know, I don't know anything about that we didn't learn about in history. It just a whole different way of, of looking at life and the food and the people. It's just, you know, so Vietnam was that for me when I first went. When I went for the first time, it was just seeing the different parts of the country, the city, the, the, um, untouched beaches partway up the coast, like up in Yachang and just taking a, a, a boat to a floating dock, picking out your fish and your lobster, bringing it to the coast and they cook it for you right there in the sand. I just, that type of stuff. I'd never done that before. So it blew my mind. And plus let's face it, you, you and I can like roam around Europe pretty incognito. Yes. And uh, in Vietnam, that's impossible. We yeah, stand exactly. out. They see us coming a mile away. And yeah, they there's know. no blending. There's no blending in <laughs> I never felt taller or whiter. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. I had to take it. Oh, I took a, the, do you ever take the overnight buses there? Like in between cities? No, no, we didn't. Uh, we mostly uh, drove or flew um, all through. I've only been, I've been there three times. And each time we drove or we flew or took scooters to the shorter, <laughs> the shorter destination. Oh yeah. I took a sleeper bus a couple of times and it was, uh, that, that's, that's a tight gotta fit. Be- yeah, it's going to be an experience. Seat is not built for big whitey. <laughs> I, I can tell you that much. But yeah, it's. Uh, I always plug Vietnam as a uh, as a travel place to a because of the price. It's yes. super cheap. Yeah, it's super cheap, and the food is great, and there's amazing beaches, and yeah, and it's fascinating, and it's and I think it's good for Americans to go to a place where we've been humbled. A bit, yes. you know, and so, you know, we lost and they don't, you know, sometimes you got to see that yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and learn, 
the and other side. You different know? in Hanoi from how it is in uh, in Saigon. They oh, absolutely. think very differently about that war in Hanoi than they do in Saigon. Yeah, still. Yeah, still. Yeah, still. So many years later. Have but, you been to other spots in Asia that you really like? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, I've been to Thailand like five times. And, nice. Uh, I love, I would always go there. Uh, Vietnam is great. I love, uh, yeah, I love Japan. Cool, man. Um, yeah, Singapore was interesting. I found Singapore like good for a few days. That's a good layover town. It, it's but, a, uh, yeah, that's a good layover town. Very good food. The food is amazing. It's like uh, top but, notch. Yeah, a little boring, I thought. In yeah, terms it, it's of, like the, I, I kind of see it as the Vegas of Asia. <laughs> and surprisingly expensive. Yes, exactly. There's no like cheap hotel. I mean, there's no like mid-range hotel I found. Yes. It was like, you're either paying $500 a night or a hundred and living in a horror. I had a, a, like, I stayed in the little India section. I think it was a hundred bucks and my room had no windows. It was like, I was in like a ship cabin. Yeah. There was no windows. It, 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 was, it was rough, man. It was, it's safe, but it was just yeah, like, very- oof. <laughs> there's no like Marriott. You know what I mean? There's no like yeah. a Radisson or yeah. something level. But I mean, the food, I I'd, I'd devoted one day just to eating. I went to like the hawker, the outdoor food courts, the hawker centers, and just, it's really the only thing day. to do there, except for yeah. that hike through the forest that's kind of on that elevated trail through the forest. That's kind of fun, too. And a friend got me into the uh, the, the Marina Bay Sands Hotel, the one that looked yeah. like a surfboard on the top. Yeah. I didn't. I couldn't stay in it. Like, the, the deal rate she got me was like $500 a night. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> but she did get me up into the pool, Very which, is, cool. which yeah. was great. Yeah, that that's was a great cool. view up there. Yeah. It's yeah. A- but again, you can get there from anywhere, and it's a great airport. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge airport. I really like the smaller countries out there, though. I, I really had fun in, in Myanmar and Laos and okay. Cambodia. Tell me about Myanmar. I've been that's on my bucket list, and um, it's for a while it was tough to get in. I don't know what the situation is now politically, but I mean they were really restricting people for a while, and they weren't, and then they were again. Yeah, it's um you have to get a you have to get a uh, a visa, but I went in 2013. I don't know what the situation is now. But it's just, it's very different. They're all right next to each other, those three countries. But they're, the food and the people, the people look very different. And, they're, you know, it's all, we're talking a matter of probably 150 miles across because it's right where Thailand and Myanmar, they all have the, the skinny sections of the country that come through. Laos and Vietnam, same thing. So um, yeah, people are very warm. Uh, there's a lot more temples. The, the temples have a little bit more... Uh, I want to say it's like the Gothic form of the temples. Like when you see the Gothic architecture in Eastern Europe, it's, it's almost like that. Their temples have a little bit different of a feel to it. And the people are like that mix, you know, they're, they're right on the border of Bangladesh and India. So you can kind of see a little bit of the features come into play and uh, the food is amazing. So I recommend it. What? And then Laos is that crazy, it's like... Oh, yeah, Laos I've been to. You well, have I went to Luang Prabang and, and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and Vang Vien and the capital, some crazy stories out of that. Just our tour guide was awesome, and he just <laughs> he threw some curveballs at us. It was pretty fun. Well, give us one of them. Give us one of those crazy travel tales. So we he took us uh, all the way to Vang Vien and all the way back, and uh, he was taking us on a tour of the city of Vientiane, the capital city. And um, he took us, he's like, you want to go see the Beer Lao factory? And Beer Lao is the only beer they serve there. It's, yeah, it's like the bud of, of yeah, Laos. Yeah, bud of, yeah. So I got the t-shirt. Oh, oh good, perfect, t-shirt. perfect. Doesn't, doesn't fit anymore, but. <laughs> well, he took us to that, uh, to, to the brewery and he goes and he's, and he's arguing and yelling at the security guard and he's yelling at him and pointing back at us and the, and the security guard's looking at us kind of uneasy comes back in and says okay cool gets in the van and we drive in we're like what happened because so i told him you guys were rich american investors and if he didn't let you in you weren't going to invest money in the factory <laughs> and so we went in there and and they cracked open beers for us and there's a premium beer lao that's actually pretty good it's a dark beer and they don't serve it in the country because the locals can't afford it so they only export it so we've got this great picture of us with our tour guide you know with a 22 ounce premium beer lao bottle <laughs> so you know, just that guy was, he, he took us on all kinds of crazy adventures and that was just kind of a funny story. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been, uh, I've been to Laos, but only like briefly, like I said, in Luang Prabang and, and a little bit around there, but I haven't been to Myanmar. What's that famous, uh, view in Myanmar with all those temples, like hundreds of them. 
on a mountain. Oh, I forget the name of it, but I know it, where you can just overlook and you see them all on the on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. It was too long ago now. It was about seven or eight years ago that I went, but it's beautiful there. Did you notice a heavy like military presence and police presence? No, not really. I, it's funny. We, we got more of that, uh, not a presence, but just stopped and questioned more in Laos than we did in Myanmar. Um, so I didn't really feel where the places we went, it wasn't, it wasn't obvious enough to leave a mark on, on my memory of it. You know what I mean? What's your, uh, MO when you usually travel to a place like that? Do you use uh, a local guide or are you pretty much on your own? I usually do, uh, a little bit on my own. I, I like to take a guided tour to kind of get the lay of the land, if you will. And then after that, I kind of go out on my own and it depends on the place. There's some places I go you know, you look, if you do some research on TripAdvisor and there's not that much to do. So it's really just experiencing the culture and just walking around the town and finding what you find. So in those cases, I won't take any tours, but most of the time I'll get some sort of an experienced local, occasionally an expat, depending upon what kind of tour they're offering. I think the locals are better, but I, I had an expat take us on a tour in Bolivia that was just amazing that no, none of the locals would have been able to do. He took us to this abandoned hacienda that was 45 minutes off the road and it was collapsing and he cooked these uh sausages and beer busted out some bolivian wine took us to the uh the top of the andes and the tip of the rainforest and it was just it was a crazy he, he thought we were cool so he gave us a couple extra hours for free and uh, we got to see some crazy stuff and then we ended up having pizza by his apartment at the end of the tour. <laughs> yeah, it's cool serious dichotomy there <laughs> well i know in the book you talk about you know, traveling more for less. So what kind of recommendations on like sleeping arrangements? I mean, are you, you're obviously not like a luxury five-star hotel guy, if that's the book. No, exactly. You know, for and hotels. I'm, and I'm too old for hostels now. I, I've reached yeah. that age. So where well, do you, you know, usually here's go? Something, here's something that's interesting about hostels, but this is mostly in Europe. You can get your own room in hostels in yeah. some places in Europe. And, and it's not, I mean, you're talking like you've got a bed and maybe enough room to put your feet over the side. So if you're just there and you're not looking for crazy comfort, you know, hostels are an option to, if you get your own room. But if you want to avoid hostels, if you're traveling with a buddy, it's a lot easier because then every hotel you're in is cut in half. But, you know, I, I don't have any crazy, sexy recommendations for finding them. I use Expedia just because they have the, the most comprehensive coverage and their customer service is great. And that's what I'll do is I'll, I'll just click on a city and it does what Google Flights does. It, it pulls up a map of all the hotels and all their prices. And there's a standard I won't go below, but I don't need a lot. In the book, I talk about a hotel we had in Nepal that had no elevator. We were on the sixth floor, which means we were on the seventh because the first floor they count as floor zero. And we got in there and there's a big hole about a foot long uh, with, I guess they had to access the piping and it went to the outside. <laughs> and we're like, whatever, we're in Nepal. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. So um, just saving money on that is really looking up those sites and uh, clicking on those maps and finding the cheaper areas of town that aren't dangerous. That's how I do it. And I find rooms for 20 bucks a night. Uh, in Laos, we found a bungalow, all windows right on the river for, I think it was like 18 or $19 a night. And it's all using Expedia. Well, I know you talk about in the book, you mentioned customer service. Uh, you're not a big fan of trip insurance? No. And here, here's when trip insurance makes sense. If I were going to book a big expensive European tour and I'm going to be in Rome for 10 days and then I'm going to go to Venice or Paris for 10 days, yes, then I would get the trip insurance. But my trips are so cheap and I travel so often that and the, and the trip insurance excludes so much that there's a lot of things that don't count. They're like, oh, no, we don't cover that. Sorry. Or you had to do this and this in order for it to count. I don't do it because... Most most of the time, you can rebook your flight for 150 bucks, and now that doesn't that's gone. And uh, I know how to find hotels that are refundable. Expedia lets you choose that option, so you're only out maybe your visa fees and stuff like that. So that's why I think it's not worth it. If I added up all the trip insurance money I would have spent, that's a couple trips I would have done. Well, here's what I do: uh, the only times I've gotten trip insurance that seem to have made sense. One, I've taken a couple tours like with um, Intrepid and stuff over, like when I did Kilimanjaro and things like that. 
uh, if you're doing something uh, very physically kind of, you know, if you're doing whitewater yes. rafting in a dangerous place and, and of course, American health insurance, uh, ah. sometimes to have like some health insurance. hundred percent. No. And, and I'm sorry, Being, I thought you were talking about, were you talking about trip cancellation insurance? Well, or well the, no, well, there's, there's different kinds of insurance, you yes. know, and, and, uh, for health stuff. Yeah. I mean, if I'm health is different, a yeah. lot can go wrong. And, uh, if you're in a remote place and you got to get choppered out or yes. if you need to get, uh, flown home for something, um, it can really crush you. So some health insurance I do recommend sometimes. A hundred percent. Yes. And, and what I, I covered that in the book there, most people, um, uh, most insurance carriers cover you for that when you travel, as long as you're not living there, if you're going on a vacation, they will cover you. They'll airlift you out and they'll do all that, but check your policy. Cause some policies don't cover it at all. And then it's cheap to get a writer that just allows you to do that. But absolutely, I don't. I want to make it clear for medical insurance, you definitely want to make sure you're covered <laughs> when you go. But and but the trip insurance, the only time I really it seemed to make sense is when I just did last year or well, last year, 2019. I did the uh, Africa. I went to Rwanda for the gorilla trekking, nice and stuff like that. But those permits and stuff are a lot of money. Yes, yeah, so I mean those, yeah. yeah, those gorillas charge a high cover. Yeah. I mean, it's not <laughs> so. And again, if I had booked it for 2020 instead of 2019, you know, I could have been out over a grand of yeah of permits. Absolutely. So I mean that, and when you're putting down that kind of money, and then there's things like people book cruises and stuff like that. I mean, that's not my gig. I mean, I work on them, but <laughs> yeah, they pay me to go on a cruise. I don't. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But you know what I mean? And, and, and a lot of tour operators require that you have some kind of, you know, insurance, but yeah, they won't let you go without yeah, it. But I mean, a lot of people mix up, a lot of people mix up trip cancellation insurance and trip interruption insurance. And the difference is, you know, trip cancellation is up until the moment you get on the plane you get sick before, or there's an emergency of some sort, it covers you if you have to cancel. Trip interruption is something happens while you're on the trip. And a lot of people don't realize that you, if you're, if you want to get fully covered, you got to get both. And some policies will cover both, but you know, it's, if you get trip cancellation insurance and then you get on that plane and it's done and you get hurt or something, then you're, you're out of luck for the rest of the trip. So and it's important to know those differences. Some credit cards also give you some some insurance too. They do. They give you, some give you medical, some give you trip cancellation or trip interruption. And it's very limited in most cases, but you have to pay for that part of your trip on that card. So if you bought your flights on this card and you book the tours on another, it's not going to, it's not going to cover everything. So that's important to know, but yes, that's a good way to get some stuff for free. Well, what are some of the other ways that people can save money on travel? I mean, Again, if, if these are about budgets and stretching your dollar, you're probably not a, a five-star restaurant kind of dude. Are you more of a no, street well, food kind of guy? Yeah. And, and what's funny is I'm kind of in the middle, to be honest with you. I'll go five-star if it makes sense, but I don't do it on the regular. I, I look at where the food is good, but I'm a very big street food guy. Uh, saving money actually on the road it comes a lot through fees and banking. And there's a lot of cards out there that don't charge foreign transaction fees. And it doesn't sound like it's a lot, but man, those add up. That'll add several hundred dollars to your trip. Oh yeah, I, I made the mistake with, early on with uh, Bank of America and using my ATM yes. card over there. I mean, oh, it's a $5 fee just for a non, non Bank of America ATM, I think, for each transaction. And then it was a foreign transaction. So yes. yeah, what a... I have a Capital One 360 card that I use on only on travel because there was no ATM fees. So that's uh, a good one. Uh, their, their Quicksilver card also by Capital One doesn't have fees. Um, I use one. It's a random card. You'll know it here. Uh, it's not in every state, but Sam's Club is uh, their bank is Synchrony Bank. They also do Costco too, I think. Uh, they have no transaction fees and they also give you 3% back on travel and dining. So I book all my flights and stuff there. And I also, every time I go to a restaurant, I use that card, uh, but also no foreign transaction fees. Uh, there's a, there's several of them. I've got a website that has a list of all the cards and their perks and also their downfalls because <laughs> some yeah. of them have great perks, but you know, they're charging you 500 bucks a year. So, you know, it makes it tough to make up for it. I, uh, you and I probably have the same conversation with friends and they ask you, well, how, how do you spend Boy, uh, you two weeks in Asia. How do you do that? I mean, what are you made of money? And and, the, and these are the same people that will go to Vegas and in yes. one weekend spend two grand. Right. And for that two grand, I could live a month 
somewhere yes. and and they don't think anything of it and yes. and they'll spend $500 on a hotel room they'll go spend $200 at dinner mm-hmm. and I'm going you have no idea how much I can make that last somewhere else i mean it, was that pretty much how the book started that, yeah i mean that's it it was it started with flights i mean it, it the the flight is usually flights and hotels are the most expensive part of a trip usually usually when you go and then um you know then you got your tours and, and your and your food and things like that but uh food in, in most places unless certain parts of europe or, or certain parts of the middle east it can get expensive but really you know like you mentioned street food or even just these cafes you go in there you just got to be careful because sometimes they give you the the english menu yeah which means the the prices price. are, are three or four times <laughs> yeah yeah well i would i made a mistake once of like prepaying for food at and i went on a surf camp in um costa rica oh okay and they said you know you could stay at our hotel which is here and the hotel was okay and it was comparable to what you know i would have paid anywhere else but they had a food thing included. I just got everything included. And then I realized when you get to Costa Rica, the food is so cheap <laughs> that it never prepay for food. And, and plus, it, and this is true of most package deals, it's, it only pays off if you eat like a hog. You know what I mean? It's just like if you're yeah. just getting a cup of coffee and some fruit for breakfast, what does yeah. that cost them? It's nothing. And yeah. you can get that on the street anywhere for like a dollar. Yeah, you totally know, so, agree. And it's going to be better anyway. <laughs> yes. And if you pay more for you know a meal in, say, like Vietnam, mm-hmm. a decent meal would be like, what, $3 US? And you're yeah, pretty, if that. Pretty good. You're yeah, pretty good I mean, you, you can get, you know, food and several beers for that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you pay more than a dollar for a beer, I mean, you're doing something wrong. Exactly. You know I mean, so yeah. I mean, Americans are so used to paying American prices for things and then tipping on top of it. Yes. Yeah. They think the travel is so expensive everywhere and it isn't. It's just getting there. But yes. that's what I tell people. Once you get there, it's it's so cheap. And that's the key. Where you I go. tell people, just book it. Just go. Start somewhere safe. Go to Europe where you feel more comfortable and just see what it's like. You know, you can go over there for a couple of weeks and spend a grand or 2500 or 3000 depending upon how, you know, the level of your accommodations and how well you, you want to eat. But it can be done cheaply if you want. Go to the Caribbean, you know, for a weekend. What so, do you, where are your bucket list places that you haven't been that you're dying to get to? Ooh. Man, um, I want to finish out the stands. I've done most of the stands. Um, I want to see Turkmenistan. I want to see the door to hell, the gas deposit there that's that's on fire. That sounds pretty fun. I want to check out Southern Africa. Um, I had a trip booked there to go see South Africa and Nam- Namibia and some of that, like Madagascar and things. And then the prices shot up before I could get my travel partner to commit. So I want to go do that again. Uh, but I've done most of my... Um, you know, I've always wanted to see Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, got that done. I wanted to see Azerbaijan and some of the uh, former USSR republics like Georgia got that done recently. And just beautiful, beautiful area of the world that isn't really talked about very much. And Is that what you like about it? That it's Yeah, kind of it's not talked people. about very much. And it, and it has that whole East meets West. So it's odd. You're there and you're like, okay, this isn't, this isn't European but it's not Persian. There's a little Persian, there's a little bit of Russian and it's just, it shows in the food and the architecture. And it's just stuff that I had never seen before I went. And I come back with pictures and people are like, wow. I mean, things that we didn't even know existed. Baku is such a major city with such a rich history. I never even heard of until I went there. And then I realized it was a major trading hub and just, you know, such a great city and so much great architecture and food. How is uh, like on the food? I mean, you said about the food is good, but the uh, the safety, the access to it. I mean, we're talking pre-COVID, of course, but yes. uh, do you need visas for all these places or you, could you like get in pretty easily? Most of them uh, in the places that I just talked about, most of them need visas or they offer visas on arrival. So and there, there's not the process isn't too difficult. I mean, it's more. It's more difficult in, um, you know, like Russia, Belarus, they still have the, you know, the, the heavy, um, the heavy uh, visa process that you got to go through where you have to mail off your passport and it's super expensive. It's like $300. It's, it's a lot of craziness, but uh, these other ones aren't too bad. A lot of them you can do online, you know, so, hundred bucks or less. Yeah. And there, the beauty of getting off the 
tourist path and the tourist infrastructure is that it is super cheap. It is a more authentic experience. Yes. But on the flip side, you know, there's probably not a lot of English in uh, Azerbaijan and all these other places. How was getting around? You know, what's funny is Azerbaijan had enough English to get by. That wasn't as bad. And uh, Tajikistan, or Turkmenistan or oh, Tajikistan, it was tough. I mean, it's like, oh, one guy had to go get his relative who had a relative who had a relative who spoke English. Uh, but if you went to restaurants or some of the bigger areas, uh, there were there were a lot of um, a lot of Middle Easterners there that had businesses and a lot of them spoke English. So they would go get somebody who knew. Uh, when we were eating at a place and so it was tough or or a tour guide we relied on them but you just you figure it out you know and there's sometimes where you're trying to figure something out and you can't oh well move on <laughs> that's part of traveling right what have been your scariest have you ever had any run-ins with like border agents cops anybody you had to bribe i did so i'll give you two short funny stories um i lost my tans uh, my passport in tanzania Ooh. And it, a weird, that's a weird story, but I lost my passport. We just got back from going on safari and we uh, were getting ready to fly out to Zanzibar. And so don't have my passport. And it was a weekend or a Sunday or something like that. So they take us to this government office and there's a, a, a military dude who's all upset and yelling at me. Well, how come you lost your passport? And I'm like, well, you know, I didn't do it on purpose, but hey. And so he takes me upstairs to the big boss and I had to talk with this guy. And it was this process where you came and talked to him, came and sat down, came and talked to him, filled out some paperwork. And there's a big old sign that said no corruption zone. Yet he said I had to go to the bank and get a fresh US $100 bill, put it in the middle of the paperwork and hand it to the guy and not mention it. <laughs> and then the guy goes to the paperwork and sees it. So he gave me enough paperwork to get out of the country. And then we get to the airport, having a beer at the bar, open up my bag. There's my passport. <laughs> now, here's what's weird about that, though, Mike, is that I ch it's one pocket in my bag. There's nothing else in there. I checked it three times and my buddy checked it. And I'm telling you, it's like it wasn't there. And then I get to the airport and it's there. But anyway, it was an experience. It was worth the hundred bucks just for the story. <laughs> and I got detained in Cuba once. Um, this was before Cuba was open. I, it was like early 2010, 2011, something like yeah, that. We were there right about the same time. I, we I went in through uh, Cancun. Did you? Okay. I went in through uh, the Cayman Islands. I was there with uh, three friends and we were all supposed to go. And one by one, they were like, nah, I'm not going to go, not going to go. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go by myself. So I went. And it was just for 24 hours, went there, spent the night, hung out. So I go to the airport and the, the border agents there, they're all, they're all these girls in their 20s and they wear these mini skirts and fishnets. It's a weird thing. Like that's all, they, that's all the border agents wear. And this girl pulls me in an office and she's questioning me in Spanish saying, okay, you're, you're by yourself. You have no luggage. Like basically you're up to no good. Like, just tell me the truth. What's going on? And I told her the story. I'm in the Cayman islands. They were all supposed to come. They all, whatever. She wouldn't let me out. I was in there for about an hour. And finally in Spanish, I complimented how her green eyeshadow, it was God awful. Her <laughs> green eyeshadow matched her green border skirt. And she like basically smiled and let me go. <laughs> so everything else didn't work. So I tried that and I was ready to go home. <laughs> And then I came, I went back to the Cayman Islands with Cuban cigars and I was a hero for a day. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Then you realize in the Caymans, you could just buy Cuban cigars there. A lot of them are fake though. <laughs> really? They are. A lot of them are fake. They, they taught me a trick over there, how to check uh, for the fake ones. And it has to do with the label. If it, if you can feel the, the bumps on the label, it's more likely to be real. And if it's flat, that tells you it's, it's fake. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. How long were you in Cuba? I was only in Havana for like three days. I was only there for a day. Oh, a day. Okay. Yeah, because we were we were in the Cayman Islands for like five days, and we were going to go just spend overnight and spend the day there, it's about 24 hours, and that's what I did. I did that, and then I came back. And then I went back again uh, like three years ago and stayed the full you know, four or five days and messed around. I heard they have Airbnb there now. Like, but I, did, I didn't uh, – they didn't have it when I was there. Yet I, I went like with a dusty, uh, um, like lonely planet and kind of looked up. You know, I wanted to stay in the, uh, I forget what they're called, not pensiones, but basically in people's houses. Yeah, I did, legal uh, there. I mean, you had to sign like the register. Oh, and, wow. Uh, say with some old lady and her son. And <laughs> I didn't book the trip, but it, it very much was an Airbnb type property when we went. So it, it's very possible that that was the case. Yeah. And you have to you bring all cash 
because your bank card oh. doesn't work there. <laughs> and anything right. with an American bank, it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. It's, it was yeah. And you get internet for like an hour at a time. You have to purchase these cards. It's, it's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah, it's un- found it to be a really fascinating place. Yeah, and Airbnb in the book, I'm not a big fan of it unless I'm in a European country or a, or a you know, if you're in a developing country, we got left in the cold in one of the stands and the guy just didn't show up. And we're, it was three in the morning. We told him we were coming in. He said, no problem. And we were sitting there freezing our butts off till like six in the morning when another hotel opened. So I just, because I go to such weird off the beaten path places. I don't use Airbnb because I've had more than one problem. I use it when I go to, you know, if you go to Mexico or Europe, it's okay. But when you get off the beaten path, there's not a lot of customer service and you'll, you'll get stuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have like a, uh, a preferable, uh, hotel site that you use? You said Expedia or no, you said yeah. Expedia is what I use. Yeah. Okay. And they just, you know, there's their prices are pretty much across the board on all those sites. A lot of them are owned by the same company, but I've been in jams in several countries and they get you out of them. They tell you where to go. They'll book another one. They'll negotiate for you. If the guy, you know, changes his mind about your room being refundable or not. And they've, they've really come through. So um, people have told me about other sites that are a little bit cheaper, like hotel tonight and things like that, but they aren't in all those countries. I go for Expedia just because of the overall, experience and being able to book and get out of jams. Yeah. I found in some areas, booking.com has, has a little more reach some places that uh, some of the other sites don't get. Yes. Yes, it does. And, and I don't always use Expedia just so you know, it's like if something comes up somewhere and sometimes you, you have to book it on a different site, you know, Priceline, booking.com I'll do it. But uh, when I'm researching, that's what I use has the best research tools that I've found. So you're not a points monger. You're not a a flights, a frequent flyer mile. Guy. No, and here's why. It's it's because I'm not saying it's bad. It's actually good if people do that, and I've done it in a few cases. But I because I I'm kind of an airline whore. I just go with whatever the cheapest flight is. You're not loyal. You're not a loyal man, Michael. Yes, exactly. Um, if I had to keep track of all those, or like, no, I'm only going to fly this airline because I have these, it, it doesn't work. What I do is I sign up for them when I can. And if I book a ticket and they go, oh, you have this available. I go, oh, I forgot I did that. Okay, good. Let's apply the discount. So people should, I just choose not to. It's too much work for me. I was a big mile guy, uh, but they keep changing the rules for one. Yes. Uh, they keep changing the requirements of what you can avoid. They're limiting how you can use them more and more all the time. They're upping the price of how many miles you need. And yeah. they're changing how you can rack them up to benefit, basically just benefits business travelers. Yes. Uh, so instead of the miles you fly, it, they're going, they're rewarding you for how much you spend on the ticket. And so it hurts guys like you and me Yes. And it benefits people whose businesses just buy their tickets and pay whatever. Yeah. And pay the highest price for business mm-hmm. class or whatever. And so the rich are getting richer. Yeah. They're getting all the bonuses and everything. And we're getting stuck down here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so like status starts to mean less and less. Like I'm gold for life on American, but now that really just kind of gets me not much. I don't get upgraded anymore. Yeah. Things. Yeah. The upgrades are all but gone. Yeah. I mean, in those days, it actually made more sense, I think. But now it's just, you know, they're trying to keep up with the time, so they're taking away perks. <laughs> yeah, and if I, and if when I was traveling domestically every single week as a comic on the road, you know, I racked them up pretty a lot, you know, and that yeah. helped a lot. But now that I'm not doing that, it's, yeah, it, it it's probably makes more sense to do what you're doing in terms, unless you're like that business traveler who's, flying the same airline all the time yeah. and you're executive platinum and those guys are killing it. Yeah. Or you're more organized and you do the bonus points flipping and you know, yeah. and you don't mind your credit coming down every time you reapply. I mean, it's all, it, it, it you know, it has its plus, both ways have their pluses and minuses. I'm at one year this week, my last flight. So when was the last time you were on an airplane? It was, uh, yeah, almost a year ago to the day I went to Madrid Algeria, Senegal, and Cote d'Ivoire, and Paris on the way back. And that was the last flight. And uh, I had a really great trip planned in March, and I had to cancel it. I was so disappointed. Me too. Where was yours too? It it was, um, we were going to Oman and Saudi Arabia and um, uh, Bulgaria and Slovenia we were going to hit. 
So some Eastern Europe and, and some Middle East, just a great trip. We had planned some great tours. We were going to take camels out into the desert and oh, brought a tear to my eye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, what were you going to do? What did you get canceled? Uh, Japan. I had a whole thing. Again, miles. I had some expiring miles on Singapore uh, Air uh, that were going to go. And I got these, this great round trip to Tokyo. And again, using that as a hub. And then I was going to take a little flight, domestic flight to the North Island. I was going to ski. And, oh, and uh, right. it was like late March, early April. So it was, it was going to ski in the north and then come back, try to hit the cherry blossoms. Oh, nice. Go to a baseball game. I had a whole thing, like a seven to 10 day. Th- yeah, that got wiped out. That, oh, that man, was the drag. Tough. But It's sad, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, and then I had weeks working on a cruise, you know, that got wiped out and everything. Got, but I've, have you done any kind of driving, like road trips or anything during this? Yeah, I mean, I... It, it seems like it's not even comparable, but I uh, went with some buddies. We we went up to Big Bear and got a nice cabin and had a, had a great weekend up there, you know, cooked some steaks and there yeah. was like a bunch of us. But uh, I, I went wine tasting up uh, just north of Santa Barbara. But I mean, it's all eh. I mean, it's just yeah, to get I mean, out of the house. <laughs> well, it's luckily, you know, we can do that here. You know, yeah, we live that's in a true. place where, you know, we can go drive to the mountains or I drove to uh the last couple states I haven't been to, which was uh, Montana and Wyoming. So I oh, great. knocked those out and did Yellowstone. And Way to make the best out of it. That's yeah, awesome. Man. Glacier That's National Park, did kind of the southern Utah, Canyons, Bryce. Yeah, oh, man, Zion. Did you go yeah. to Zion? Yeah, those are great national parks right there. Oh. Yeah, I hadn't been to those. So I kind of oh, knocked man. that out. And that was, I did what I can, but man, I'm jonesing. I'm yeah. Gonna, I, I got to get out of this country. It's starting. I was looking at, uh, I may go to Nicaragua here next month. A friend of mine was looking to go down that way. And that's the only country I haven't been to in Central America. And then you mentioned Croatia, that stuff's opening up all that stuff, Croatia, Bosnia, uh, Macedonia, all those countries right there are starting to open up and with no restrictions, which is, you know, yeah. you don't need the test or anything. So and now we're getting restrictions coming back. Coming back. <laughs> yeah. and so we have to show a test to come back. So you got to be in a country where where they do that. We can get the test. Yeah. Otherwise you can't come that. home. Yeah. Yeah. So well, if you look, you're Mr. Hub guy. If you go to Croatia and say, I mean, it's really matters, I guess, if you can get the test in your hub, right? It depends on where you book the ticket from. Cause I think before you get on the plane, even if you're going to, let's say I went from Croatia to uh, like to Dubrovnik to Paris I think you might have to do it in order to get on the plane because U.S. rules mandate that before you even head to Paris, even if you get the test in Paris. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times if there's any restriction, I don't know this for COVID, I'm making the assumption because I've noticed that if there's any restriction before you go to the U.S., it doesn't matter if you have a, a, a layover anywhere, it has to be handled before you get on that first plane. But say you, but how do the, if you just, you're just buying a round trip from say L.A. to Paris, how do they know you're even going to Dubrovnik at all? So what I mean is like if you if you bought a ticket from Dubrovnik to L.A. and it happened to have an L, a layover in Paris, then oh no, you'd have to buy them completely. Yeah, separate. if you did a separate ticket that they didn't know, then de- absolutely you could do that. So if I brought a ticket from Dubrovnik to Paris and then bought a, a separate one uh, direct from Paris to L.A., I could do it in Paris, no problem. And okay. that would probably be the way to go to get around it because if – you're in a Eastern European country or somewhere else, Central America, South America. You yeah, may be able to take a test, but you won't get it back for a week. Yeah, a quick turnaround. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. You get, we'll get it back to you in two weeks. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Put a $100 bill in the form and then... Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Just smile and nod and give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how has the uh, reaction been to the book? I mean, when did it come out and how's it been going? It I've never self-published a book, so how does it... Uh, it's it's a process. Uh, the I, the easy part was writing the book. I thought the hard part would be writing the book, but there's a lot to know about Amazon and the metrics and and stuff. But the book came out in on December sixth. I've got just under eighty reviews so far. It's at five stars. Uh, one guy gave me a four star because I made him angry about my opinion on on the credit card miles, and he's a traveler. <laughs> well, that's you know, that'll get you some controversy. That's not yeah. bad for uh, selling a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, not not bad. The reviews are out of the gate. So, and I was number one in seven categories, and I'm back and forth between bestseller now. So, I've been bestseller already, which is great. But I'm getting a lot of traction, and um, you know, getting some good feedback. So, it's been a lot of fun. Well, I saw your bio online. There was something about a TV show. Yes, uh, and I was asked to be the host of a travel TV show, and we 
filmed four episodes and then the trip I was going to take uh, last year that got canceled was going to be episodes five and six and everything production is completely on hold now because of everything that's going on and uh, it, the future is unclear as to what's going to happen. But uh, I may take the concept around and see, you know, I, I signed a deal where I own the show. So, um, you know, I've already taken it to a couple spots and I'm in communication with the TV station that put it up. So if they get going, we'll go with them. If not, I'm committed to make this thing happen. Well, how did they find you? And was this a local station or is this like a national? It, no, it's it's a local station. And uh, it, one of my contacts uh, was doing a show with him. And, and he said, yeah, look, I'm doing to do a travel TV show. And he says, oh, I have the guy for you. And so when I met with him, because I'm a business consultant guy, I came to him with like a proposal, like, here's what I think we could do. And the guy was like, oh, this is great. I don't have to do any work now. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> I beat out the premise of the show and made it about the layovers. It's called the layover experience. And uh, that way it didn't compete with any other shows he had going or that were out there. It was just a little bit of a different take and taking uh, the shorter, the shorter trip. Tim Ferriss actually had that idea. Take more, uh, take smaller trips more often so that you can, rather than waiting till you retire, he's like, have your little mini retirements in between. So I took that to heart and made a lifestyle out of it. So other than the, uh, so the book and the TV show, do you have uh, another project lined up or anything like that? Or is this going to be, you know, this book this? was, was a, a great learning test. I'm already writing a second book. That's not as exciting. Uh, this probably <laughs> National travel secrets. It's yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I, I specialize in forming corpor uh, corporations for entrepreneurs, mostly small businesses. And so I'm writing a book that just kind of decodes that for people. Cause it's such a nebulous concept and I'm pretty good at, you know, hashing it out in a way that, the lay person can get. And that's what the book's about. So nothing exciting, but uh, I've been giving presentations on that all around the country for the last 15 years. And so I figured I'm going to write a book to follow this one up, but more in the business world. Okay. Um, give people the, uh, all the websites and the Instagram and everything else where people can find you and find the book. We'll put up a link to the Amazon uh to the, get the book as well. So awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So uh, the book is international travel secrets. The website for the book is international travel secrets.com on Instagram. Uh, my handle is layover guru. It's it's layover underscore guru. And you can see some of my travel photos there and some of the adventures I've had, some of the people I met. Oh, great. Okay. Well, I have links to all that. that great. Be perfect. perfect. So finally, what do you think all this travel that you've done and all the places you've been, how has it changed you as a person? And how has it changed how you look at people and the world? Wow, it, that's such a great question. Um, it really expands my worldview because we look at what we're fed, where, you know, the news, history books and all that. And when you go and actually talk to people, you get to see the effects that communism had on people and totalitarianism had on people and hear it from the people who actually went through it, who actually experienced both sides of the coin. So it's changed my worldview on that. It's definitely made me more, um, you know, it makes me realize we're all the same. I mean, we go, we all have the same wants and needs, but one thing it's done for me is it, it's, this is an odd one, but it's made me appreciate home more. I travel a lot, but I love coming home. I mean, it's, I love those moments where I'm there, those unforgettable moments, those people you meet that you'll be friends with for life you know, um, any relationships that you have on the road, all those things are great, but I love coming home. And I noticed that I stop to smell the roses more when I get home and I go do those things. I said, I've been going to do, I'll go see that museum or I'll go eat at that restaurant because I travel. Does that make sense? It's kind of an odd thing, but it, it, it makes home that much more sweeter after going to see all these amazing places all around the world. Oh, it makes total sense. Hmm. Every time in my old neighborhood, there was a little uh, sushi joint that I would come back to, and you hate to use the cheers reference where everybody knows your name, but they did. They knew me and it was just like, no matter how long I'd go, that was usually my first meal back. I'd walk down the street and they, you know, it have, it was the most LA place because I'd have sushi made by uh, Korean, <laughs> with my Korean waiter and made by Mexican guys in the back. And we're like, this is the most LA place. That's when I knew I was home. Right. Yeah, and did they know your name when you walked in? Did they Absolutely. All, they all Mike. shouted. Yeah. <laughs> <we're in. laughs> and they're they hanging on during COVID too. So I walked in with a mask and they still 
Good. They saw me through the mask. I hadn't seen them in a year. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. That's what you get when you're, when you're home. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, and you appreciate things like, you know, turning on the tap. And the yeah. one doesn't give you dysentery, you know? Well, and that's the thing is it, it's made me, I don't get upset at things. I mean, I've been in countries where the water's frigid cold or in Algeria where I had just a single pee stream coming out of the shower. And it's like, you'll laugh at it and go, okay, yeah. I'm going to make this work. You know, what are you yeah. going to do? Or, or the water grid. shut off in the hotel. You know, yeah. it's like, it's definitely made me things I used to get pissed off at if someone cut me off or, or on the road or whatever. I'm just like, whatever. It doesn't, none of this matters. You know, yeah, the cares? small things like yeah. uh, a billion Chinese couldn't care less about <laughs> our, our problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely made me a lot more laid back. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you doing this and uh, reaching out to me. Right on. No, thanks for allowing it. I thought it was great and a lot of fun. Uh, Michael Wieda, everybody. <laughs> thanks. Thanks.